You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I talked to North Carolina receivers coach Lonnie Galloway about third round pick Deami Brown. He obviously knows him well and provides excellent insight. And I chat with Tailgate Ted. The barbecue segment is back. We discuss fans headed back to FedEx, eventually, the community that he missed last season, and pulled pork and a chicken recipe for the grill. You can follow Ted on Twitter at TailgateTed. You can read my work on ESPN.com. We will have a complete rundown of the schedule after it's released Wednesday night. I appreciate those of you who have rated the show on various formats, I guess on Apple and all that, and would love it if others do as well. If you want to, that's fine. Also, don't forget about Monkey Knife Fights Offer, a free $5 daily fantasy game using promo code JKR. For you golf fans, check out Eagle Eye Thursday. I think you'll enjoy it. Anyway, before I get started, well, I thought the Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby McCain situations would have been completely resolved by now, but as if as of this taping, they are not. With Leno, the money just hasn't been right. Also, I'm not sure if the sides yet agree on the length. I don't know. Um, I don't know that for sure, but I do think Leonard would like a probably a one-year deal and hit free agency next offseason. And I stress, I don't think he'd sign here right now if he didn't think he was coming here to start. If he felt otherwise, my sense is he would just wait. Um, Denver was interested in him, but as a right tackle. And I think that if Washington can't get him signed, I think he would likely just wait. Or I can't, I don't think he, in other words, I don't think he's just going to sign for whatever Washington's offer. I think he, at that point, he would just wait to see what develops, whether in mini camps or eventually in training camp. But again, by the time you hear this, the situation might be resolved. If he does get signed, then they have a glut of tackles considering they just drafted Sam Cosby. And they also, of course, have Morgan Moses in addition to a host of other backups. It will be interesting to see how this all shakes out. As for McCain, I don't have Really great intel on it. It does sound as if they liked him at safety and understand, and they understand that they have a hole at free safety. Listen, in these cases, if a guy walks away, or if there's not a deal, it comes down to one word, money. The sides just see it differently. So we'll see how that develops, though. Anyway, that's my quick update. That's it. Let's get to the interviews. After this break, I'll be back with North Carolina receivers coach Lonnie Galloway talking about Deami Brown. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less. Will an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total? 
You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc.? It's fun. And every Friday, it's Home Run Derby. And on three guys who had home runs that night, all three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week, you can participate in their Eagle Eye jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Lonnie Galloway. Lonnie, Lonnie. I want to get a sense <laughs> from you about from Washington, you. what Washington about is getting Washington in Deami Brown. I mean, they're getting an outstanding football player. They're getting a great kid uh, that's wanting to play the, at the uh, next level, trying to uh, achieve everything that he set out to to uh, accomplish. Um, you know, I've been here with him. I was here with him for two years, and, you know, he put the hard work in to be able to be one of the best players in the country, to be one of the best players in the ACC. So they're getting someone that's going to go out and compete at the highest level to, to help the Washington football team win. What kind of a player is he? We know about the speed, but what kind of a player? Uh, Very smart player, understands how to run routes, understands how the defensive guys are trying to play him. Uh, His speed is what you just mentioned. I mean, he's very explosive. You know, he's a take the top off kind of guy, but he can play, you know, intermediate, catch the shorts passes and do all those type of things. He's He's a very fundamentally sound football player. With that speed, how did you you see it? How did you see hurting? How did you see defenses reacting to that, and how did he overcome it? Because obviously, everybody knows he's got speed. So they want to try and prevent him from going deep. How did he adjust to maybe still despite them knowing he wants to get there? Just being able to allow him to do some double move stuff that we'll call a couple of plays where you know he can stutter, take off route that we have that we used a lot. When you see him running a lot of vertical touchdown passes just enabled him to be able to create within his route off of his stem coming off football. And um, whether or not they were 10 yards off, you know, if they were way off, we, you know, just throw them quick stuff and let them take the top off of it or split the defense after he's caught it. But just allowing him to be able to create vertically off of different stems and, and things like that. There are, I also see that it's like people talk about his buildup speed. That he get is it is it a is that a matter of his, does he get faster as he's getting down there does, does that kind of take defensive backs by surprise a little bit? Yeah, I mean you know he was a hundred meter guy in high school, so I mean his um, his top end speed is 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 you know because he ran they clocked him some of them have him at four four some I think maybe a couple four three sums, but uh you know he, he's a hundred meter guy, so his build up speed once he gets up on you if you're not in your paddle it's too late to get him unless you know you collision and things like that but uh you know he is a, a build-up guy but you know he does have short area quickness and lateral quickness too i also noticed that when watching your games that the corners against him were always a yard or two deeper than they, than they were than the corner on the other side of the field oh yeah i mean it was uh it was one of those things they knew they know that we like to throw the ball deep and um his Sam's favorite target was Deami. It was like, okay, there's three other people on the field, but if he needed to play, you know, Deami's brother was playing on the uh, opposite side of him some this year, and it was one game, and they both were wide open. I said, why would you slow down? He said, I knew Sam wasn't going to throw me the ball. <laughs> so he threw it to Deami. But, uh, 
you know, Diami, you know, this year, you know, you could tell he was still, he was, he matured a lot. He wanted, you know, he wanted this and, um, you know, he, he was a pleasure to coach. Doesn't say much, you know, can tell them things and, uh, in meetings to where we're, you know, want to change this, add this, and, you know, he would get it, but, uh, you know, very quiet, you know, but very, very coachable and, and comes in and, and wants to put work in. How did you see him mature? How did you see him mature? Uh, just the way he approached it, you know, approached it. Um, his leadership, being the older guy in the room, uh, you know, he was someone that they followed, you know, not really loud vocally, but just how he, you know, approach practice i'll be like hey we gotta you know we gotta go today you know and so he'd set the tone from you know how stretch in the one-on-ones and the pass skelly into the team stuff so you know that'll that'll be his thing you know to, to be able to come in there and learn from the older guys and and uh you know coach rivera and and and, and take leadership you know being a young guy but being a guy that you know hopefully that that'll that'll help one of the things, again, no player is perfect. So one of the things people are talking about where there were a couple drops. What what did you what, what did you what did your what were your thoughts on that? Why did those you know, was that an issue? Was that something that is easily correctable for him? What did you think that's done? Yeah, easy correctable. I mean, you know, the thing that him, I'd always tell him, I was like, you're faster than 95% of the people on the field. So see the ball in first. It, it was a lot of run before I get it. And uh, you know, it, it happened at the beginning of the season. And then it was like, okay, that's a can, you know, stop dropping the ball. And then the last six or seven games, there were no drops, you know, and, and that was the thing I said, you can't, I said at the next level, you can't drop the ball. You know, they don't drop the ball. And at, at that level, they won't throw you the ball or you won't be playing. So it was more finishing the catch before I tried to do something with the ball than him, not him having bad hands. Cause we had his eyes checked and his eyes were good. And, it was, you know, just complete the catch, then go do your work. And then the other thing you what you would read, and I don't know if this is fair or not, but they were talking about maybe building up his route versatility. How is he in that regard? Do you, you know, the thing that, you know, people say that because of what we do offensively, but, you know, there are nine routes, unless there's some more that I, I don't know of. I mean, we run hitches, slants. We run comebacks, we run curls, we run post curls, we run verticals, posts, corner routes. I mean, unless I'm missing something, you know, we run the whole route tree. You see Diami's plays being explosive plays on the vertical ball. But, I mean, he can sink his hips, drop his weight, get in and out of breaks and, and those type of things. So, I mean, it's just something that comes with this offense where well, they don't run the route tree. Yes, we do, but – you know, if we can throw it over your head and, and score a 70 yard touchdown, then that's what we're going to do. And, and I, I definitely saw at times I, I too where he gets open too. on some of those double moves just by selling the head fake inside. And there was one where I think Sam missed him. I can't remember which game it was, but Sam missed him. He's a double move, cuts inside, back out, had room, just missed the throw. But right. the way he turns a defensive back around is what you kind of look at. And that's right. I mean, and that was the thing that, you know, during his pro day, and, you know, uh, Steve Smith was here for his pro day with, you know, NFL Network, and he said, you know, the, the mastery of playing at that level will be able to run. He said, if you can run an 18-yard comeback in the pros anytime you want, he said, you can get open anytime in the NFL. And and just that those are the things that, uh, you know, just to keep refining, you know, his technique and his routes and stuff like that. Because, I mean, he's 6'1", 
190-some pounds. I mean, he's strong and athletic. So, you know, just the, the technique of, of, of playing the game and studying the game and studying the film. And, and you know, and it's funny because I know people you know, say, well, corners don't play off like that in the NFL. Well, yes, they do because I see them. They are afraid of getting BT, D2. So the other thing with him with that is he tracks the ball well. People talk about it. Why does he track the ball so well? We do a drill that's uh, – we call it OTS – where they're they're basically walking to ju- walking walk jog, and the quarterbacks are throwing the ball up over their shoulder, and we make them catch it and then get a sprint. So that's a drill that we do every day, and then we'll do a, a drill uh, off the jugs machine where we're shooting deep balls to them. You know, they're halfway down the field. That's a pre-practice thing that we do that we have the manager shoot the ball down the field to them, and they're just basically walking. You know, and I tell them, you know, the catch point's high on a vertical ball. So, guys need to go up and just catch it and track it over your outside shoulder. So, that's something that we we work on. We drill it. You, that, I'm sure that, that obviously helps. Is there something else with him that allows him to do them better with that? Because not everybody tracks it that well. So, in addition to that, are there other skills that, are there other skills that even better for him? Um, you know, I would say that, that would be the, the, the biggest one, you know, being able to you know, the route that you're running, you know, and being able to get my eyes in the right spot. So that I would say more than anything for us, that's what we do. I mean, and since the day that he got here, since the day that we got here three years ago, that's just a drill that we've done over and over and over and over again. It's just that OTS and then the jug ball drill. Two more things. One, he also jumps out as a blocker. So what what did you see? What Why what did you think about him there? Uh, very good. Not not afraid. I mean, and that's the thing for me, you know, because I'll tell them 90 percent of the time you don't have the ball. So, I mean, it's, it's being able to help the running backs, being able to help the, the slots if you're throwing screens like that, you know, to, to be able to block. I said, you know, so if you want to play, then you have to block. And, you know, he's he's not a timid kid. I mean, he's very, you know, a personality when it comes to wanting to be dominant on the field. And then that's just part of it. So, I mean, he, he understands, he understands that, you know, just part of playing that position to where 90% of the time you don't have the ball that it might not be your day that day, but I can help, you know, as far as back breaks loose, making that, that, that key block, you know, down the field or blocking for, for his guys on, on screens and stuff. So he's a willing blocker. Last thing, Lonnie, then, um, was there a game that stood out to you this past year where you said that that was just a different level game, this kid is ready for the next level? The Virginia game, the UVA game, um, you know, it was 240 yards and it didn't matter where the ball was, it's, it's, he was going to go get it, you know, and uh, just seeing them operate, you know, they were playing press, they were playing off, it didn't matter. You know, he, he went off that game. But, uh, I mean, that was, that that game was – I think he had, I don't know, eight, nine catches maybe. I think it was 11. Uh, it was right 11. Of, yeah, right off the top of my head. That game, it was a uh, not a breakout game for him, but to see, like, dang, he made that play, he made that catch. You know, it was one after the other. Lonnie, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much for your insight. And I think Washington fans are going to enjoy watching watching him work this season. So thank you very much. Thank you, sir. After this break, I'll be back with Barbecue Talk. Tailgate Ted joins me to discuss pulled pork and the full chicken he just grilled. I was pretty damn hungry when we finished this segment. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and, of course, of the DMV region. 
Download the podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows, as well as the other great content. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Tailgate Ted. Ted, it's good to see you again. And it's good to know that as of now, you will be out tailgating this season. So that's good to know as well. So I appreciate you joining me. And before we get to all the other stuff, how good does it feel to know that you should be out of games again this year? It feels great, John. And thanks for having me back. It's been a while and I've always loved doing these with you. And when that announcement came out that day, that we were going to be able to be back at FedEx Field, I, I couldn't have been more ecstatic just to know that I'm going to be around all my friends again back at the stadium that I love. And that's what people, I know. I think anybody who goes to games understands this, that you develop a little community out there. And when you don't see those people for a while, it, it's, it's not easy. And so, you know, I mean, that's part of the fun of going to those games and doing those things are, is that camaraderie that you get before, during, after games in the parking lot too. Well, being realistic, we haven't had a lot to look forward to at the stadium other than getting together. So a lot of those people were in my wedding. They've become like family to me and not being able to see them, especially with everything going on. It's been tough. Well, let's talk about something pleasant. And I want to bring you on. I say we're starting the grilling season, except that (laughs) to me, it never ends. So if it's nice out, by nice, I mean, if it's not a blizzard, you can still smoke or grill or whatever. But people are getting back outside and grilling again. So one of the things I want to talk about is pulled pork, one of my favorites. Just want to get some tips from you. What what are some of the basic tips that you would have for somebody they're going to do some pulled pork? What would you tell them? A lot of people ask me, how long does it take to cook? How long does it take to smoke? And with pulled pork, it's a big piece of meat. Get a good thermometer. Trust that thermometer because you look at different recipes, it'll say, you know, an hour per pound or however long per pound. You can't judge it being done based upon that. It's really all going to depend on have you taken the pork out ahead of time to let that get to room temperature? Have you been able to regulate the temperature in your smoker efficiently or not? That's really going to be the judge of when that pork is going to be done. And don't rush it. Much like brisket, pork is going to get to a stall. But the beauty is pork is very, very forgiving, whereas brisket, that'll dry out easy. Pork has a lot of fat, a lot of collagen in it that'll break down and season that meat. And it it's kind of hard to mess up compared to some of those other bigger, leaner cuts. If you are patient with pulled pork and you get it to that magic temper, that 200, 205 range, it's almost always going to be really good. It really is. It really is. It's it's kind of hard because pork itself is a fattier meat. Brisket, you can think you're getting something with some good marbleization on it, but once you get down in the bones of that thing, you can't really see it. Next thing you know, it's more lean than anything. So you get that nice fattiness inside that pork where if you just let that smoker do the work, it's pretty hard to mess that up. With the stall, because that's around, what, about 165 degrees or so, 150, 165 range. What are some tips you would have for somebody if they want to get it out of that stall? Or do you, you just say just the key is maybe putting it in earlier and not being bothered by the stall. But are there some tips that you would give somebody to help with that stall? A lot of people still like to wrap their pulled pork around 160. 
to try and help through that phase. I mean, I've done pork wrapping it, not wrapping it. You know, it just kind of really all depends on your personal preference. I haven't seen that big a difference, but one of the reasons why I like wrapping it to help get through that stall is all that pork jus after mm. the fact. You get to collect yeah. all of that. And then when you're pulling that pork and pull it, please don't chop it, in my opinion. Oh, Chopping yes. it is not the way to do pork. But that jus that you collect from that stall, once you wrap it, you can put it back and reconstitute all over that goodness once it's finished. And which is exactly what I do. And for people like if you don't want to, because you you want to pull it when it's warm, right? When you pull it, you want it to, you want it to be hot. Get some get some rubber gloves and pull it apart using those because that that way you're not gonna if you're worried about burning your hands. But it's it's first of all it's a lot more fun to yank apart pieces of meat. It just it just is. Um, and um, but much more so than cutting. What are what are some what wood do you like to use for your pork? I like apple. Personally, since I'm also spritzing it with apple juice from time to yeah, time, me too. If I see if it's getting dry, just that apple wood helps infuse that flavor on top of it. Do you inject? I don't inject. Okay. I used to brine the pork, but I feel if you're doing it low and slow, I usually start around 225, 235 max for mm -hmm. me. I feel that you don't need to inject because of that collagen breaking down on that pork all of that inside there, you don't really need to insert any more flavor because all of that fat is already in there. And fat is flavor when we're talking food. Absolutely. So you haven't noticed a difference, but did you used to inject? I never injected. I used to brine. Okay. So I feel that the brining process, it's kind of soaking in and marinating in all that liquid to me was good enough. And to me, injection was kind of a shortcut I, I like to take my time if I'm doing it because it's going to take you, you know, depending how big a cut you're getting, 10 hours. So might as yeah. well brine that thing overnight personally. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I used to go back and forth and I'd watch some of those competitions where they would inject. But in those competitions, you're also doing things for a specific judge or whatever. And so you, you, you've got to get a big, powerful flavor right away with that, too. And it's that one perfect bite that those right. competition shows are looking for. Right. Whereas, you know, you're, you're making it for your friends, your family, you're kind of all sitting around enjoying it. You don't have to get that just umami intense bite right off the bat. Do you have a certain flavor rub you like, or just basic rubs for that? I use dizzy pigs, dizzy dust. Yeah. For the most part, when I'm smoking pork, it, it depends on the flavor profile I'm going for. My, my in-laws don't do spicy very well. So I'll probably do something on the milder side, but I'm a big fan of Dizzy Pigs, Dizzy Dust, and they've won a ton of awards with that thing. So who am I to say it's, you know, not good enough to put on my meat? I just did a pork belly this weekend with a burnt ends pork belly. I I did use the Dizzy Dust and, and nice. they were fantastic. But um, last thing I want to ask you about, have you have you grilled, smoked anything recently that you'd like to share that is a good, provide a good recipe for people listening? Well, I actually spatchcocked a chicken recently because I had family in town and I wanted to throw that thing in the smoker, but to smoke the chicken, to me, you've got to brine it. And I didn't have enough time to do that the night before. So instead, I actually spatchcocked it and threw it on the grill. It was a whole chicken, takes a lot less time. And for those of the listeners that haven't spatchcocked a bird before, you take a whole chicken. So like you would kind of see a rotisserie chicken and you cut out the backbone. Once that backbone's cut out, 
you spread it onto a cutting board and you press down on the chicken breast. So it just lays completely flat. Mm. It cooks the chicken evenly on that grill and it cooks it a lot faster than it would if you were doing a whole rotisserie. How, what's the key to getting out that backbone? Some good kitchen shears really should be able to cut right through that backbone. And I like to save that backbone normally for chicken stock. If you're going to make something afterwards, you can use that for a great stock. But if you haven't had a chance to spatchcock a chicken before, whether you're going to grill it or smoke it, I highly recommend it because it speeds that cooking process up and it makes sure that that bird cooks evenly all the way through. What did you season it with? So in that instance, I have a little Peruvian marinade that I mm. like to season the chicken with. And I'll cook it direct heat to start off, usually the first five minutes or so, right over the heat, skin side down. And afterwards, I'll move it indirect until I can get to temp, about 165, because that chicken's going to cook a right. little bit after that. But you'll do skin side up at that point. That way, you're just kind of cooking on the bones underneath. And how long did that take you? Took me about 45 minutes. So a whole good. chicken in, in that amount of time really couldn't beat that because if I was going to smoke it, it'll take me a couple of hours. And I just Absolutely. didn't have that amount of time. How did it taste? It was great. I, I am biased, but <laughs> I think you can tell how good your food is when the table is quiet around you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. That's always a good sign. So Anything else? That sound that sounds great. And now, of course, I'm very hungry, and people listening are hungry too. But you know, anything else about the chicken that you want to add? Don't be afraid to trim the chicken. Some people will just leave kind of those loose bits on there. Usually, that stuff will flare up and cause some just excessive burning on it. Just don't be afraid to trim the meat. But personally, I don't wash my chicken beforehand. Hmm. Some people are different when it comes to that. To me, it's just kind of a salmonella risk. <laughs> and on top of that, use a clean set of tongs when you're throwing it on the grill and a different set of tongs yep. when you're taking it off, especially with chicken. Um, one thing I'll say on the washing the chicken, there was a funny video about a year or two ago where some guy was literally washing the chicken, but doing it with soap and water. And somebody <laughs> watched was like, like, I don't remember the guy's name. What are you doing? So... That was, I don't know if it, listen, if it was a made up video, it was funny. I don't care, but it was still funny. It's like, I'm just, I'm washing the chicken. So, but he was using soap and water. So clean chicken, but you weren't going to eat it. So Ted, thanks a lot for joining me. We'll have you back on soon and talk about some more good grilling stuff as we get into the summer. Thanks for coming on. Sounds good, John. Thanks for having me. I'm Byron Kerr, your host for the Curly W Podcast. Join me on the Curly W for the very latest on the Washington Nationals. We'll give you an inside look as to what's happening with the Nats right now and give you also a chance to visit with Nats players and coaches, present and past, to tell you what it's like and what they hope to accomplish with the Nationals. From Fredericksburg to Nats Park, West Palm Beach to Rochester, Wilmington to Harrisburg, it's all Nats baseball. Subscribe to Curly W wherever you get your podcasts. Another great show from Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Lonnie Galloway and Tailgate Ted for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode later this week, likely on Thursday at some point. The topic, Shaka Tony. Did Washington get a steal in the seventh round? And then I'll have another one after the rookie minicamp wraps up this weekend. Talk to you next time.